to Affirming Truths. I'm your friend and host, Carla Arges. This show is a safe place to share our struggles, grow in faith, and root our identity in Christ. My hope is that you will leave each episode feeling encouraged in your journey. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey, Affirming Truths. Welcome to this Thursday's bonus episode. We are going to have such an important and I think encouraging conversation. I have as my guest today, Jessa Hillman, and you might know her as Lifestyle of the Anxious Mom. And we're going to talk all things mental health and faith and everything in between. Hey, Jessa. Hi, thank you so much, Carla. I'm glad to be here. Are you ready for a big conversation? (laughs) I am ready. (laughs) Brace yourself. Um, I came across Jessa on Instagram, um, and I love how Instagram has the ability to actually be a positive thing and bring some real great women into my life. And I started following you because you're so open about your struggles with anxiety and panic disorder. You do it with humor a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. You have like the best memes for <laughs> mental health. But I know under the laughter, there's struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you can maybe start off by just introducing yourself and talking a little bit about your journey with anxiety. When did it start? How did it show up? Mm-hmm. All of that. Okay. Yes, that will take us back um, many, many years ago. So yes, I'm Jessa. Um, We met on Instagram. My handle is Lifestyle of an Anxious Mom. Um, I started my platform in 2018, officially, I believe. I was on Instagram long before that, but like I officially launched my blog. Um, It wasn't under the same name, but I like had a dream for my platform then. So I've been working on it for about five years. Um, the whole reason why I wanted to start a platform is because by 2018, I had already struggled with anxiety and depression for many, many years. Um, starting in like late elementary school, um, I pretty clearly remember being anxious to the point of losing sleep at like 11 years old. Mm. And it just kind of went from there. Then it became, um, I grew up taking piano lessons. I took lessons for nine years. And so with lessons came like the recitals and for a few years, it didn't bother me. And then, um, you know, I messed up one time and I couldn't let it go. I fixated on that for years and it got to the point where I was getting sick like weeks before the recital to the point that I ended up, I continued taking lessons, but I told my teacher, like, I'm, I'm out. I can't do it. It's not worth being sick. Like two weeks before it's just not enjoyable. Um, so that's like really the time that I became anxious to the point of it affecting my life. Mm. Um, in high school, I was chronically missing class because of stomach issues related to my anxiety. Um, my mom always referred to it as my nervous stomach. So we were already seeing, it was never named anxiety, but we were already seeing links between my stomach aches and my nerves, right? Mm -hmm. Um, got different diagnoses for different things regarding my stomach, 
Um, it was not until college that we actually named it and things started making a little bit more sense. So in college, I saw my first counselor. Um, I also saw my first panic attack (laughs) sitting Uh through sorority recruitment of all places, the worst place to sit and have your first panic attack. Um, because if you've never had one, it very much mimics what you think a heart attack would feel like all the signs are there, the sweating, the like arm pain, the chest pain. So I very much thought I was going to just keel over in front of all these women. It was horrible. Um, so the panic attacks kept coming back. Um, I think in 2009, um, I was in college at that time and started seeing a counselor and putting the pieces together. It was like, I think this might be anxiety. (laughs) So I struggled with it like for so many years, not even knowing what it was, um, which is kind of crazy thinking back on it. Um, I sometimes wonder if, if it would have made a difference, like if we knew it was anxiety, what would have changed as far as like course of action? I don't know. I try not to dwell on that. Um, but basically from there, um, the panic attacks I struggled with starting in like 2011, um, I did start looking into medication at that time as well. Um, started going on like a daily anxiety medication right before I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, like months before <laughs> and then found out I was pregnant with her and got off because I didn't want to be on while I was pregnant. Um, I had my kids back to back. They're 14 months apart. So I was off meds for about two years. Um, when the panic attacks, like with crazy hormones at the same time. I know, I know. Oh, so like the postpartum and two, oh, I will try not to go off on this tangent. This could be a whole nother podcast, Carla. (laughs) The fact that it was not ever explained to me that I would be high risk for postpartum anxiety (laughs) or postpartum depression. I'd been medicated. I'd been like documented with anxiety for years and I was not like cautioned or anything. So I'll just leave that there. I could keep going, but I was, so I was taken by surprise when my panic attacks like went through the roof after my son was born to the point that I just stopped leaving the house. Like I could not leave the house without having a panic attack. My husband was working night shift. um, So it was me and the kids alone. Most of the time that was the source of a lot of um, panic. That was like a main trigger was being out by myself with the kids um, and just being outnumbered, right? Like I have two babies, I have two under two. So like, how do I get out quickly with two kids? Um, and so basically it's just kind of been things evened out after a while. I did go back on medication once the panic attacks came back. Um, and so basically I've been on medication since then. So it's been like a 10 year journey (laughs) of being on meds and then, you know, going off for pregnancy and then trying to go off thinking that I was better equipped. Um, and so here I am now, like with all of that under my belt, trying to figure out if the things I'm feeling now are a normal part of the adjustment period, or if it's like red flags that are saying, Hey, no, like, the meds are what's best for you. That's, you know, it's hard. I don't, I don't it's have so hard. the answer to that right now. 
I uh, see so much of myself in your own story too. I was, um, I think, 11 when I was having like these chest pains and they hooked me up. I had to wear a heart monitor for three days and record my heart. And they were like, oh no, it it must just be in your head. And we didn't really talk about it back (laughs) then when I was a kid. We didn't, we never explored it. No one ever treated Mm -hmm. me for anything. Um, I had a suicide attempt when I was 13 and no one, mm-hmm. there was no conversation about it. There was, there yeah. was nothing. So I think when you say, would there be different course of action? I think mm-hmm. now as moms, we would take different course of action with our own kids. Like right. I know my experience, I am well more attuned. My son does have an anxiety disorder. He has OCD. Mm-hmm. And so okay. we are, we are on it much more, especially because That's I was just left to like flounder and two with okay. the postpartum, I had a huge, I didn't even know that, like, I, I knew a little bit about postpartum depression, but I didn't know mm-hmm. you could get prenatal. I got prenatal anxiety and anxiety is mm-hmm. not my Achilles heel. Mine is, yeah. comes more in depression because Mm -hmm. of my bipolar and borderline, but Mm -hmm. I got this prenatal anxiety. I I couldn't work. I couldn't do my job. I had to go on medical leave and that Mm -hmm. blindsided me. Like there's not a lot of information given to women around Mm -hmm. that. It's crazy. It is. I know. I know it took a long time for me to navigate my illness. To come to mm-hmm. acceptance, to come to a place where I feel like I thrive within the the boundaries of illness. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've discovered that in your life where, or are you still on that journey? Do you feel like you've come to a place where there's thriving or are you mm-hmm. still, are you still looking for that? Um, and just so you know, she's watching me drink out of a wine glass. It's actually kombucha <laughs> I'm drinking. <laughs> Look, no judgment. I wasn't going to say anything. So <laughs> it's kombucha. <laughs> no judgments. It um, is Friday night while we're recording this. But it, it is. It's it kombucha. Is. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny because if you had asked me this pre going off my meds, my answer would be different. Um, so that's interesting to me because I do feel like I'm still processing that. I do feel like at some point in my life, when I started my platform, I felt like I had accepted it. Like I'm going to embrace it. I'm, I'm going to use this to be like, a, a relatable experience for so many women, like so many women struggle with not even just anxiety disorders, like almost all of us have struggled with bouts of anxiety, but a surprising number of women do struggle with anxiety disorders, especially postpartum or being pregnant triggered it or or whatever. So when I started, I was feeling generally encouraged to be talking about it. And, um, and I don't mean embracing it, like, you know, flaunting it. Sometimes we get criticisms for talking about our mental health online because it's like, I don't know. There's, there's still a stigma there. Um, but with the struggles that I'm currently having, there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of rejection. Like I've not, I don't want to accept, I'll be very honest. This will be, this will be my breakthrough conversation. Yes. <laughs> my experience off meds because I haven't talked about it because I didn't want to be discouraging to my audience but a large part of what I have been feeling is discouragement. And again, I don't want it to be a deterrent when people hear that and say, oh my gosh, my experience is going to be the same. I can never get off meds because that's not true. My experience is not going to be yours um, and vice versa. But a lot of the like darkness that I have been feeling is just defeat. It's like, I should have known better than to try to get off the meds. Like this is this is just how I'm always going to be. And there's no making it better. And so it's like all that self-doubt is coming back. That's like, I don't want to accept that this is going to be a part of my life forever. <laughs> so that's hard because it's not, this is, I can't speak for you, but this is not the life that I would have chosen <laughs> for yeah. myself. So, so that comes back during times like this, when there's just so much struggle is you're like, this is just not, this is not where I thought it would be. This is not what I thought it would be like. It's just. So let me ask you this. <laughs> let me ask you this. If you had gotten to a place where you were living your life with relative success mm -hmm. in terms of managing your anxiety what was the pull to get off the medication that was working? That's a good question because I do feel like I did have relative success, right? I was still having panic attacks on the meds. Okay. So part of the reasoning was if I'm still having panic attacks on the meds, it must are they not doing? be working. Yeah. Because <laughs> not are, every medication works. Not every, like, their medication. Right there's a lot of trial and error. There's some people mm -hmm. that never find the right mix. Like it's not just as I simple know. as a, here's your blood test. Here's the medication that matches you. It's not that at all. Yes. Well, and my doctors didn't even go that far. They're just like, we're just going to prescribe you something and we're going to see how it goes. There was no sort of like, we're going to make an educated guess by drawing blood. It was just like, well, this is a popular one. So let's go ahead and try that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been on I've been on two or three, um, two different daily medications. And then, um, I've used a couple of like the instant, you know, relief medications. Um, the whole system is flawed. Um, we have military insurance. Um, I'm waiting on an appointment at the end of this month to talk to my doctor again. I've been waiting for over a month. Um, this is the same sort of wait time when your meds, when your refills lapse and you're waiting for a new one. So in the course of the 10 years that I've been on meds, I've experienced withdrawal involuntarily numerous times waiting really? on med refill. Yep. Waiting on med refills. Um, things have gotten screwed up. And so that was a big push too, is to just not have to even deal with that system. Um, yeah. I, cause I am using other products that I had hoped, um, would help a little bit more. They are helping. Um, yeah. I, I am still using those and it does help some. Um, but you know, too, I wanted to be, I wanted to see how my body would do naturally, not yes. producing serotonin on its own. Uh, yes. it's doing about how you would expect it to do. Yeah. <laughs> We're struggling. Yeah. Um, so, so that was kind of the push to, 
I am still using all of my coping, you know, mechanisms. It's, it's up and down today. I actually had nothing in my system. I had no gummies. I had no medication, obviously. Um, and I did relatively well. I probably should have celebrated that a little bit more, yes, but I um, <laughs> didn't have a, I didn't have a panic attack. I was only mildly anxious. And we're talking sitting at my desk, like behind a computer. <laughs> I struggle a lot, even in that environment. Um, but I was like everything free today. So I did pretty well considering. Um, but it is, it's a, it's frustrating to be part of that system. That was a big push to like, go ahead and get off and just get away from. Is that because of the military or is that the, the way it works in the U S I'm I'm Canadian. So I know, I think that is just the way that it is in the U S I mean, of course there's going to be places that that's not the story. Um, but a large part of it probably does have to do with the fact that it's military, um, and they're just so there's just so many, I'm in a heavily military populated area. There's like four bases for me to choose from within a 20 minute, you know, radius to go and, and like seek medical care. Yeah. Um, and we're like bogged down at all of them. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say this to my listeners that there is sometimes a good reason and good, um, good reason to go off meds. And I would just Mm -hmm. recommend you do it supervised, but I also Mm want to caution depending on what your struggle is, do not go off on your meds on your own. Um, No, no, no. Example. I have, I have bipolar. (laughs) If you have bipolar or if you have schizophrenia, your meds are going to be your friend. So there's depending on what your struggle is, depending on your history, depend. So so just talk with your doctor. Don't just stop taking your, your medication. I just want to throw yes. that out there. No. And that's a great qualifier because that, that is the thing. So I am like one of a select few that even has that option. Right. I mean, I guess everybody has the free will to decide if you want to take it or yes. not, but considering what I struggle with generalized anxiety disorder and panic disorder, Um, I've never been diagnosed with depression. The panic disorder is what I'm at most risk. That's the one I'm most worried about. Right. Um, I probably will always be anxious and I can manage my anxiety, but the panic attacks are, they are a monster. Like just it, it totally, I mean, I told you, I got to a point where I just couldn't even leave the house. Like it disrupts my daily life so extremely that that that's the one thing that like yes don't go off of it on your own a doctor needs to like have given you the information and know what you're struggling with and be speaking with you so that if symptoms do come back full full force that you're not taken aback by it yeah or you know in an unsafe position so i know that you are a woman of faith how mm-hmm. has navigating anxiety, medication, any of that in your faith community been like? Have you found support? Have you found more stigma? What has your mm-hmm. experience been walking yeah. through this as a Christian? It's been kind of a mixed bag. Um 
And two, I mean, I have experiences with like my church family locally and then my Christian brothers and sisters um, on the internet. That's a whole different <laughs> experience. Yeah. Um, because I have met people who are very outspoken about that medication is wrong and that um, if you're a true Christian, you would not experience an anxiety disorder, um, that it's just a total lack of faith. Um, and, and even some people online that like, I really respect say things like that. And I do have an issue with it. Um, I have had people in the church locally support me regardless of what decision I made medication or not. Um, a lot of them mean well in encouraging me to pray through it, which I absolutely do. Like prayer is absolutely a part of my anxiety journey. I grew up in the church. So from the moment I started experiencing doubts and anxiety, my faith was always there and I was always taking it to God and sometime in, sometimes in tears, like just asking him to explain to me what's going on, take it from me, you know, just, um, I need to figure out what's going on. Um, it is hard because there is still a stigma that I see in the Christian community about people who have an anxiety disorder, um, or panic disorder or, you know, and that's funny too, because I don't know if they would say the same things about somebody struggling with different disorders. Like are all disorders the same in the Christian community? As far as like your faith is concerned, can you pray schizophrenia away? Like, is that, yeah. or even is that physical, kind of a blanket, like, believe? would you tell yeah. the diabet diabetic not to take their insulin, just pray more? Like, yeah. yeah. Why, no, why is anxiety it? different? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever come at, had a crisis of faith going through this? Like why God? And mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. Um, and not that long ago. Um, I, I think that my crisis started along with everybody else's crisis, right? 2020 was just a hard year overall yeah. in every regard. Um, some things were going on in my personal life, kind of preparing me for it anyway. COVID was not what kicked it off. Me being at home all the time was not, I was, please, I was happy to be at home yeah. <laughs> away from people. It was a vacation. Um, that's not the reason why, but I, I absolutely, I was in therapy at the time. Um, I remember talking to my therapist and I'm like explaining what all the symptoms are. And she referred to it as an early midlife crisis. Like I'm 34. So this was years ago, closer to 30 that I experienced like a existential midlife crisis. And, mm -hmm. and it was just a total questioning of, um, I'm very open. I might go into too much detail here, <laughs> but, um, I experienced a major crisis around my faith and what I believe and how I lived my life growing up in the church. I grew up in a very legalistic church, right? And so um, grew up in the age of purity culture. And it was like, okay, God, why did I make all of these decisions that I thought you told me to make? You know, you told me to go to a Christian school and save myself till marriage and do X, Y, and Z. And for what? Like, here I am, I can barely leave my house. Like I'm struggling with this disorder and I'm depressed all the time. Why, why did I even make these 
decisions like that, that sums up the crisis for like the next two or three years. Um, it was very hard and I didn't feel, I didn't talk about it. I did not post about that at all on social media. Um, it was a very serious crisis that I was not, my husband knew about it, but I was not prepared to like talk publicly about, um, and it was hard because I was very like cynical towards the church and, um, and just mad at God. Like, I think that's probably one of the only times that I have truly been mad at God was during mm-hmm. that time. And you know what? It's okay. God can take our anger. God, yeah. God can take it. I mean, there's a whole book in the Bible about lamenting and mm-hmm. Jeremiah was kind of mad too, not just sorrowful. He was kind of mad. Right. How have you seen God show up these last few years? You had this crisis of faith. I know mm-hmm. you still believe. How did you move through that anger and mm-hmm. get to a place now where you're like, okay, God, we're, we're good. Yeah, it was, it was a long journey. I mean, therapy absolutely helped. I was seeing a Christian counselor Um, so she was very much helpful in reminding me of the things that I know to be true, but I was clouded right by all these, these other things just chaotically in my mind. Um, at the time, um, I think part of, part of what triggered the crisis was that I was not in the comfortable bubble that I had been used to living in. Right. So, um, prior to 2020, I'd been working for our church for six years Um, so I was struggling with, uh, my panic attacks and everything while working for a church (laughs) and, uh, worked there for six years and then got a job with the police department, uh, right in the midst of COVID. So you want to talk about culture shock working for six years in a church and then working for the police. Um, both are ministry fields. Absolutely. Yeah. One is a lot harder to navigate. One, I am much more outnumbered and way less encouraged, right? There's, there's just so much like between the officers that are dealing with things that don't know how to process it to just all of a sudden the blinders are off. I'm seeing everything that our community is struggling with. And I know everything that's happening in the community. I, that hit me. Like I, I was searching, I had to search for God for the first time in a long time, it's very easy to see him in the church, but it was very hard for me at that time to see him in my community because all I was hearing about was the bad and the negative, and that was not helping everything else. So it was really like a baptism by fire, just straight into the real world all at once with this crisis going on. Um, I will say that I'm not, I'm not, fully upset that it happened because I do feel stronger in a lot of ways. Um, I, at one point was prepared to go into ministry and I was very well versed in like my Christianese and everything. (laughs) And I do feel like I'm a bit more, I'm a less uptight Christian now than I was before. And I feel like more of a real world Christian. Like I can, I can relate to people out in the real world better now than I was ever able to when I was back in that bubble. So that's why I don't regret it. I'm, I'm able to see 
how to speak to people in the real world about this like spiritual battle that they're facing. Um, so that gives you some insight too, into why things are so difficult for me at work with being off of my meds. Um, because there just really is so much just evil and brokenness and sadness. Um, but even despite all of that, like as I'm able to talk to coworkers and see them kind of putting the pieces together, I'm, I'm able to like formulate in my mind easier. This is why the Bible says what it says. Like th- these problems that we are seeing in the world, this is a result of doing the opposite of what the Bible says. Like I can see such direct correlations between the two that it just makes it make more sense to me than it did before. So I would consider that a God wink. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How would you encourage someone who is struggling with anxiety and struggling to see God in all of it? Mm. I think sometimes it's hard for us to find God if we're struggling and we're not reaching out to others. If we don't have a community, because sometimes it is very hard for us to be the ones to point us back in the right direction. Um, So the biggest piece of advice that I have is to talk about it. You don't have to broadcast it on the internet. That's not for everybody, but to find one or two people that you trust that are wise counsel in your circle. Um, If you're a believer, that would be somebody, you know, like a mentor, somebody that you look up to um, that you could, confide in them about what you're struggling with and know that they're a safe person that would be able to encourage you. Um, I think that the devil does like to keep us isolated and will take advantage of that. Um, and so I think one of the quickest ways to like smack down that attack is to just talk about it to somebody. Get Getting community, get that support system. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey and your encouragement. I, I know that there'll be a lot of women that resonate with you and is the best place for them to find you on Instagram. Yes, absolutely. Um, I try getting on threads. I'm not on there very much guys. So just let's stick with Instagram. (laughs) Okay. I will put Jess's handle in the show notes. Thank you again so much for being here. Thank you, Carla. It was great talking with you. Thanks for joining me today. I hope we're already friends on social media, but if we're not, come find me on Instagram at Carla Arges or at Affirming Truth. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye, friends.